What is happening to the surface of the planet Earth and to California's Central Valley? Is this California business as usual? Or is this the fight over human and non-human rights? What are the honest, hardcore facts about reckless human behavior that cause the peril that humans make for each other? And what can we do? Where do we find the promise for a better world? Stay tuned for this week's installment. I am Pegasus, your host for The Peril and the Promise. Sponsored by the Peace Life Center of Modesto. Today is a very special episode of The Peril and the Promise because even though there's probably another 20,000 people in the San Joaquin Valley, I could be interviewing regarding uh, the environment and the hope for humanity's future here. Uh, there's two people that I'm personally acquainted with that I would like uh, our audience to hear from. Um, the first one is Reverend Chelsea Page. And Chelsea Page is a political, spiritual, and environmental activist and a very close friend of mine, somebody I'm actually married to. But she's got a lot to say about these topics. But first, we're going to hear from Nicholas Routledge, who lives at a farm that I used to live at called Earth Abides, and that uh, Nick has been doing some work there for the past few months to try to create climate change-resistant crops, food crops. I'm in Calaveras County right now at a place called the Catholic Worker Farm that's been here since 1976. Um, one of the current Catholic worker people here is named Nicholas Routledge. Do you go by, is that I say that correctly? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, that's right. You translated well, even with the accent <laughs> in there. <laughs> well, thank you, Nick. Um, so you've got a beautiful project that you've been at Earth Abides uh, Catholic Worker Farm for a few months, and my listening audience on The Peril and the Promise would be very interested in hearing about this issue, these ideas of fruit trees that maybe can be a little bit more climate change resistant. Is that, am I understanding? Yeah, yeah. So I, I arrived. This is this, of course, is this forty-three-year-old Catholic worker project. This extraordinary legacy that I um, step into. I mean, I think it originally started. You might say it's the classic, classic Catholic commune, but devoted to works of mercy. Mm-hmm. I mean, we know, we all know about the the de- de- devoted radicalism of the original founders of the movement and how it's being picked up, and it's now, you know, interfaith, post-religious, all those terms that essentially allow for essentially an inclusive faith-based uh, uh, people whose religion is more about living the life right as more than the beliefs we yes. have. Which is not to say that there isn't a lot of devotion among many of the people involved, yeah. but you know what I mean. So essentially what we're um, trying to do here is, um, is as, we, as, as this new chapter unfolds that Earth Abides, is to essentially uh, morph it into an experiment, well, an experiment in beauty and truth, you can say, but right in practical terms, we're looking at um, 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 moving into a relationship with a landscape that's really focused on the, the current um, buzzwords, or I should say sort of formal terms that are used to say regenerative design. We're looking at essentially moving into a forest, as you know, that's in a state of poor health, in a sense, mm. and doing a great deal to try and move the forest 
um, back to an ecology that's thriving uh-huh. and, and you know, fire safe and all that sort of stuff, right. an enormous amount of work. And then we're also very much involved in what it takes to create a sustainable local food culture, for example. And around the basis of that involves moving our farm organism here into a mode that is um, deeply healthful and sustainable. One of the great foundations of that is really moving into improving the biodiversity of the food crops we have here. Yeah. And I come in, one of, the, one of the areas of expertise I bring um, to this uh, new adventure is I've been very involved in the biodiversity movement in the Pacific Northwest for the last 10 to 20 years. What we've essentially been doing is going out and moving among, oh, I would say, seven or 8,000 different varieties of fruit trees and targeting the ones we think hold most promise as we call them future heirlooms, the varieties that are really going to hold fast and true and steady in the decades and centuries ahead. And um, so we came in here and we've grafted up and planted not too many, about three to four hundred new fruit trees just in the first month we've been here. Um, that's quite sizable. That but is amazing. Yeah, yeah, we're getting pretty good at it. I mean, it's interesting in the sense that the network of people who are really involved in supporting just that, precisely that effort um, are, are very much um, involved in... Um, doing the work for free. Mm-hmm. Um, they're also the same people you find who are involved in handing out free food and setting up oh. local homeless shelters. We're seeing that crossover between the same constituency who are really interested in taking um, a, 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 a relationship to nature that reflects a higher sanity and also uh, taking uh, an approach to what you might call social ecology and people that reflects mm-hmm. a higher ecology, and not only doing that, but bringing the two elements together in combinations that click. That's great. Thank you. That was very um, art- well articulated. And full disclosure, I myself have lived at Earth Abides Catholic Worker Farm. Um, when I was there uh, for a short few years, I was helping with the HIV retreats that uh, that outpost in Calaveras County was uh, bringing people from San Francisco to come experience the beauty of the nature on those 80 acres at Earth Abides. So that was my primary role when I um, spent my, my time at the Catholic Worker Farm there at Earth Abides. And it's just so exciting for me to hear that these that this land here, that um, folks from a place called Canticle Farm in Oakland have um, helped breathe new life by because you were connected with Canticle Farm. And I don't know if you have anything to say about what Canticle Farm is doing in Oakland. I'm mostly concerned for this radio program, The Peril and the Promise, about Earth Abides, because I know that our signal for KCBP 95.5 FM does reach to certain parts of Calaveras County, and I don't think it makes it across the mountains into Oakland. <laughs> um, but it's still interesting what they do in Oakland, yeah, at the, yeah, at the, yeah. if you wanted to share anything about Canticle yeah, Farm. Yeah, sure. There are, I mean, I come in from Oregon, but I'm sort of like the larger pattern of embrace of the Canticle Farm community. They're a, an intentional community in Oakland. I suspect they might rank as the most culturally diverse intentional community in the country it's very interesting deeply inclusive 
and sit at the heart of the peace and justice movement in the Bay, mm -hmm. but fundamentally very urban. If you're just joining us, our guest right now is Nicholas Routledge, an environmental activist busy planting trees to help humans survive the coming climate chaos. We'll be right back after a quick musical break with a song by a Calaveras County band called Plan Dykin. A politician but not like these Place Victor Flute for the autocracies A peasant chieftain agitator A revolution instigator A freedom fighter and a crowd igniter Firebrand of the 48ers A sword and pistols he rolled like that Stuck a feather in his slouch hat Pecker hat, pecker hat I gotta get me a hat like that White felt brim pinned up on one side Wear my pecker hat with pride Full of fascists and racist slavers I know he'd fight these corporate raiders International bankers and industrial polluters Lying, spying, drone jack looters He was there at the battle in Seattle He rode shotgun on the longest march Posted up at the Nevada nuclear test site Helping me to stand by my watch He backed the resistance at Big Mountain And the uprising in Wisconsin Spoke truth to power in Tiananmen Square Welcome back to The Peril and Promise. I'm Alice Pegasus. We're here with Nicholas Routledge in Calaveras County talking about the work that Nick is doing there and the sponsoring group from Oakland called Canticle Farm. And what was your involvement with Canticle Farm, Nick? I was involved with them a few years ago setting up a Catholic worker project in Oakland with them. And then it, as they you know, picked up sort of responsibility for helping steward um, Earth Abides, they basically put a phone call into me up in Oregon and said, Hey, Nick, we need help. Are you interested? And I bring down more of a green, uh, a green thumbed, or as in England would say, a green fingered sort of touch to things. So, my, so, what, so, for example, one of the things that I'm able to do in terms of moving in here is we're already morphing, for example, into a local food bank. We've already set up a relationship with one of the local food pantries and we're going to be um, supporting them with food. And of course, it just so happens that coming out of the frozen north, one of my specialties is um, winter cropping. So we're going to actually be putting a bunch of food, hopefully, into the pantry throughout the entire winter up here, which is, you know, can get quite cold in these parts. Mm -hmm. um, even as we, there isn't very much of a history of winter cropping in these parts, we're sort of bringing in the skill set to really sort of establish uh, that approach yeah, as part of sort of year-round food systems. And again, putting the poor and those in need at the heart of that experiment. Right, yeah. Um, the, the poor and those in need who are going to uh, most likely suffer the most as climate change, as, as any sort of environmental disasters happen, um, it's those that have less resources, fiscal resources, that are least protected. 
Um, I remember uh, I've reported on this show before about um, the wildfires in California, and there was one up uh, near the Earthabides Farm in 2015 called, uh, I can't remember which one that was called. Oh, the Butte Fire was that That one? was the Butte Fire, yeah. yes, exactly, yeah. And so that took away 10% of that county land up there. Now, Calaveras County stretches from the valley up into the mountains, and Earthabides Farm is at about 3,000 foot elevation, mm. and Arnold is a little higher than that. There's the famous Big Tree State Park there. Have you seen much else of the, the, the uh, in Calaveras County, or are you mostly spending your time at Earthabides. <laughs> now the nature of farming man is you don't get to look up too much i am yeah. really head down and and hands in the soil and i i haven't really had much of an opportunity to travel at all the focus though is very much on you know the nature of a of a project that's sort of given over to helping local community yeah this is it very naturally tends to attract uh, support and kindness and good yes. wishes and donations and so yeah. on and so forth from the locals. So I'm finding that the locals are beginning to uh, pull me out of the soil and sit uh, me down for food and oh, nice. free fruit yep. and so forth. So it's working that way. But no, it's it's uh, the focus is uh, is is very much on local people and local folk at this time. The the food bank farm, obviously we want to be feeding ourselves yeah, yep. as well as the neighbourhood in the same breath. I tend to think of it as almost sort of like a root mantra, the root activity. Uh-huh. But on top of that, um, I sort of see that uh, that sort of elemental activity as a sort of a basis for, you know, larger um, efforts yeah. to support communities in need elsewhere. Now, with um, yeah, that's great. That's good to know that the uh, fruit trees, the fruit from those trees, will be able to be feeding many people. Yeah. Are you in a position, or will you be in the future, to help train people in the technologies you're using for these? I think it's three types of fruit, right? And well, yeah, I mean, it's they're just the ones we brought down here, but we move them out a huge diversity of fruit, uh-huh. and um, our network of relationships with friendly nursery people throughout the West is very strong. So anticipate that we'll really be blowing up the diversity of the food system up here even as resources arrive, you know, it's mm-hmm. very challenging up here. We're dealing with bears that not only get into compost, but that tear fruit trees to pieces to yeah. get at the fruit and deer and ground squirrels and gophers and so forth. It's an extraordinarily yeah. challenging environment yeah. to be raising food in. You've got to put trees in the ground in cages, for example, if they're going yeah. to survive. Um but even as the sort of predation issue up here and other challenges are very intense, we're very lucky in the sense that we have a very good water uh-huh. and we have plenty of it. And then obviously we've got lots of sunshine uh-huh. and a fair amount of land up here. Mm-hmm. So given that it doesn't, this is not where you sort of come to make money farming. Yeah. It's too tough to do that. Right. When you were saying yeah. earlier that you, you, um, you, as a farmer, you're yeah. spending your time here. You don't have time to see the sites. It maybe I could hear. Uh, it's felt like this is a religious commitment of sorts. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, for example, I'm, I'm someone who I've been farming for 25 years. Um, teaching it for most of that time. I've never sold a single piece of produce in all that time. Um, It's all given away. uh, All given away. And, you know, simply because, you know, I'm someone who believes that, for example, that free food is an inalienable human right. Now, that might sound like a completely radical, out-there statement to your average Westerner, but you go to places like, for example, India. They're across 
all the different traditions in India, for example, it's commonplace for temples, for example, to have a policy of no one going hung- hungry within reach of a temple. There are individual in- Indian temples that are feeding tens of thousands of people a day. Now, that's really making a nonsense in a sense of a lot of, you could say, Western religion. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that we're endeavouring to do is move into this mode where we're not just modelling a visionary approach to re- regenerative design with regard to the landscape, but also to the social ecology yeah. of this part of the world too. Yeah. And as I say, tying it together in combinations that click, uh-huh. that work, green-blooded and red-blooded realms, when, uh-huh. we, when, we, when we marry these, these ecologies in ways that synergistically support one another, what we find is that things click. Really interesting stuff starts to happen. And to a large degree, that's a a very important part of what we intend to do here. Mm -hmm. We're looking at this dynamic, engaged, participatory, supportive relationship in terms of restoring the landscape itself to health and in the same breath, taking the same approach to supporting the local community. If you're just joining us, our guest right now is Nicholas Routledge, an environmental activist busy planting trees to help humans survive the coming climate chaos. We'll be right back after a quick musical break. Dance with the spirit early in the morning and walk with the spirit throughout the long We're here with Nicholas Routledge. We're talking about supporting all of humanity during the ever-increasing climate crises and the sixth mass extinction on this planet. Um, After we hear from Nick, we'll be hearing from a soon-to-be-ordained Reverend Chelsea Page. What can we do to model, support... Uh, what's the term? You don't use the term new culture or the definitive birth of a new creation. What's the term you use? It's endeavouring to The new society. The new society. Yeah. yeah, yeah, It's actually the old line from the Wobblies that the Catholic workers utilized um, a hundred years ago. That's when the Wobblies were saying it. Building the new society within the shell of the old. Yeah. Thomas Merton says what? Not the last gasp of exhausted possibilities, but the definitive birth of a new creation, ah. the new Jerusalem, here and now in this realm of existence. Something you said earlier, uh, I had not heard that term before, and it went over my head. Can you explain? I don't know if you just made it up or if there's there's something that I'm just missing in our culture. When you said bringing the green-blooded and the red-blooded together, yeah. what was that reference? What? Well, what gets rather interesting is that as you move towards a... Uh, living engagement with the natural world as you begin to start actually living the interconnections of a local landscape, relying on local ecology to provide you with your food and your shelter and Mm -hmm. your water. As you move into that connection, what you begin to see is that all life is one. And the same thread of profound intelligence exists as at the dynamic heart of all of it. 
It's the same, in a sense, conversation, the same ecology mm -hmm. that extends out to eagles soaring above the closest mountaintop to the currents of our innermost heart. When you actually start stepping into that way of relating to life itself, what you find is that you're inviting the full force of the power of existence mm. into your life, into your community, into your household, into your mind, into your heart, as a presence that lifts and supports and blesses your life. Uh-huh. So, um... Help me understand again the green-blooded versus red-blooded. Yeah. <laughs> I dig off. Green-blooded is the sort of term I'd use to describe the natural world. Red-blooded is the term I would use to describe the human world. So we would talk about the more than human and the human. Thank you. And, you know, for the most part, what we find is that we live in a culture where that connection between the two is fractured. Uh -huh. And you can see it if you look at our religious practices, if you can look at our democratic processes, uh -huh. if you look at our food systems, if you yeah. look at psychology, if you look at the nature even of romance in this day and age, uh -huh. um, when we begin bringing all those human activities back into an engaged, dynamic conversation, living conversation with the natural world, yeah. what we find is that is that our lives, our sanity, our ease, it all becomes easier as we begin to take on the half of life that's sort of been missing. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, Nick, thank you so much for spending time with us on The Peril and the Promise and talking about what's happening at Earth Abides Catholic Worker Farm in Calaveras County with the food in a nutshell what do you call that again free food for people that you're growing you had a better poetic term than what i'm coming up with right now um, we're saying free food is an inalienable human oh, right yes, yes. but food's only important in the sense that it's a root mantra in a sense a root yeah. archetype yes that provides us with a extraordinary direct pathway into tending to the foundations of what holds up our world and it is so crucial in, in this coming age when people are thinking of, of climate change and disasters yeah. and the sixth mass extinction yeah. and what does that mean for humanity and how many humans are going to die because of these climate change disasters that are growing yeah. more yeah. every year, yeah. food and scarcity issues come to mind. So the beautiful symbol as well as practicality. Of yeah, food. what we actually find is that uh, it gets, you, you know, you can, you can spend weeks um, getting into sort of the, the sort of the scientific intricacies, for example, of holistic plant breeding. But what we actually find is that a grassroots response to climate chaos works where the expert state simply doesn't have the capacity to respond with the elasticity, urgency and fluidity that's basically required I mean, you st we started this conversation by your safe saying that something like the poor are really going to get nailed by climate chaos. I'm not so sure I would agree. Oh, okay. My sense is that we can really b come back to this notion of blessed are the poor yeah. and that we actually find that we're actually better placed to deal with the challenges of climate chaos than those who are 
more removed from mm-hmm. it. The notion that money provides you with advantages, yes, to a degree. But it also divorces you, for the most part, from a fundamental relationship with what is real. Not just real in terms of connections with people, mm-hmm. but real in terms of connections with the world around you. Yes. And so what we're finding is that the actually is that the poor the humble humble of course derives from the same etymological root as hummus earth yes. it's all connected yeah. that the closer we move to that humble relationship with the earth living simply upon it the more we find ourselves extraordinarily well placed to actually deal with climate chaos. In fact, there's a number of people within the movement who actually perceive that climate chaos will actually be a great friend to the poor and the oppressed, as it essentially makes a nonsense of all these institutions that have brought us to the edge of planetary extinction. Yeah, that was beautiful. Thank you, Nicholas Routledge. It's been great to have you on The Peril and the Promise here at KCPP Radio 95.5 FM. Thank you. It's been an absolute delight sharing. Your questions have been lovely. It's been a delight crossing paths, sir. Yes. Coming up next, we'll hear from Chelsea Page. One little accident could wipe out half the human race. They're putting radioactive waste into your silverware, or maybe your toaster, or perhaps your wheelchair. The Air Force is bombing Iraq every other day. They don't like the government, so the children have to pay. And the ozone hole is growing, the sheep are going blind. While the U.S. spends more on arms than the rest of the world combined. Journalists are getting fired from San Jose to Welcome Atlanta. back to The Peril and the Promise. I am your host, Pegasus. And my special guest at this moment is my spouse, Chelsea Page. Chelsea's got some experience with um, faith-based activism uh, regarding environmental issues. So, good morning, Chelsea. Hi, Pegasus. I'm a Christian pastor, but I was going to say that my uh, spiritual journey around coming to grips with uh, the environmental needs of our planet have very much been informed by a Buddhist teacher named Joanna Macy, who uh, started something called The Work That Reconnects. And, well, if you think about um, the terrible power that is unleashed by the splitting of the atom, that is a a cosmic um, violence that entered into the universe story in 1945 when the United States dropped the first atomic bomb on New Mexico uh, before Hiroshima and Nagasaki. And that level of uh, cosmic power and change that has been unleashed can only be matched by the spiritual power that comes out of a heart that is awakened. Make a beautiful day and thanks for being with us on The Peril and the Promise. Oh, thank you, Pegasus. You've been listening to The Peril and the Promise from kcbpradio.org, produced by Pegasus here at the Peace Life Center of Modesto. You can tune in every week at this time to learn about the peril that humans make for each other and the promise that we can make for a better world as community. 
Music on The Peril and the Promise is by Alzara Getz and Dorothy's Melting.